everybody. My name's Nate. I'm Cy. I'm Daniel. And we are Pittsburgh's Hot List. We are with award-winning writer, director, filmmaker from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mark Cantu. How are you doing? Good. I'm so thankful to actually be here with you guys. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. So you got your start as a theater actor in 1996 in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, my focus, honestly, as I was kind of uh, coming up when I was in high school, was uh, was to be a theater actor. Um, and I had done quite a few plays and uh, musicals and things like that, like I said, through uh, some of our local like summer programs. Um, so that was my main focus coming out of college. And once I got to college, once you kind of, you know, you get that, that awakening, the, the, the rude awakening into the real world, um, you kind of realize, I mean, I'm five, seven on a good day. So unless you're, you know, six feet tall and, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes and, you know, ravishing good looks, you're not going to be a leading man anytime soon. So, um, and, and honestly, yeah, yeah, it's a harsh reality for me. But honestly, it's one of those things where I, I kind of, my acting style anyway on stage was a bit more intimate. It was a bit more low key. And so looking at film, I had already been doing, you know, little short films with my brother at that point. Um, so it just kind of felt like a natural kind of flow into, into actually doing filmmaking at that point. And I realized okay. I was way better at that than I ever was at anything else. So, Yeah, that's awesome. You got to find that passion and feed it. You do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, th I think I was lucky enough to, um, one, I had a supportive family. I had my, you know, my father bought us a camera when we were really young and, um, my brother had gone to film school originally, so I kind of, you know, gleaned a few things from him, uh, from some of his books, and I would kind of watch. Um, and I kind of got lucky in that regard, where it was like I kind of watched the mistakes happening in front of me, but I wasn't responsible for it at that point. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? Don't do that. Don't do this, and don't do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you just kind of learn just by just by sitting back and watching. So by the time I actually got my first shot at uh, at doing like an actual short film on my own. Um, it, it kind of just came out naturally. It was it was like second nature. I was like I, sh I like I had been doing it forever. So um, yeah, that's was, nice. Yeah, and it, and it just felt yeah. like I I should have been doing this the whole time. So yeah, it's it's definitely great to have a mentor, you know, that you can learn off of and and uh, you know use that experience to your advantage. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and I, I think uh, honestly, like my only real mentor because I never had, and I think that's one of the things that I've always kind of craved in my life is I never really had like an actual film mentor. Every mentor that I had was mostly just like on the theater side. Oh, okay. Um, so I had like two really good uh, film, or not film, but uh, theater uh, directors in my life. And uh, one was my high school teacher, which was Mark Blakeney. Another one was named Steve Garcia. Uh, and those two guys really kind of showed me like how you prepare, how the energy should be on the day. Um, so I just honestly took those things and kind of carried that over into the film side. But um, yeah, as far as film, I, I really had to kind of like navigate that on my own and um, just kind of find my way with style and you know technical side and everything. So there's a lot of a lot of hit and hit and miss and uh, a lot of trial by fire on my end. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So you kept pushing forward and um, staying motivated. You do. Like, is it hard for you to stay motivated? You know what? Honestly, it's it's really not. And it's one of those things where I think part of it, to be honest with you, if we're being completely transparent, it's I have kind of an obsessive personality sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you kind of have to in this profession anyway. So, I mean, it's it's that's not a, a strike against you. 
but it's one of those things where that does drive you because you have to kind of worry about the details. You have to worry about how much effort am I putting in. And it's kind of almost like sports. And I grew up in sports as well, where it's like you kind of have to outplay the other guy sometimes. You have to work harder、yeah. than they are, and you know that you got to put in the effort. You got to think, you know, twenty-five steps ahead. And、um, to, to to me, like I, I, it's never been an issue for me having that drive or having that push. Um, sometimes I get exhausted, and I think that's part of the wall that I hit most of the time. But、um, but yeah, like I, I me personally, I, I've never had an issue. Like I said, having to actually have that motivation there. So that's awesome. I was listening、yeah. to Joe Rogan, and he was saying the same thing. He was saying obsession and genius are neighbors, and they both share the same jacket. Right,、wow. I thought that was、yeah. cool. You know, like it's basically if you want to be your very best, you have to be obsessive about what you do. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I, I think there's a fine line, and it took me so long to kind of figure that out.、Um, there's a fine line between being obsessive and being a complete jerk about it. <laughs> and oh yeah, <laughs> for the longest time, I, I was like, no, you got to be a jerk because that's what all the good directors. And I'm like, no, you really don't. You can be obsessive <laughs> and you can prepare. But you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to alienate people. You can work hard. You can let your work speak for itself. But you can put the work in and be the most prepared person on set. So when you know the walls start, you know, caving in and, and things don't go the exact way you want them to, everybody looks at you and everybody goes, "What are we going to do?" And it makes no sense for you to actually be the one. Freaking out and kind of you know cursing at people, and it makes all the sense in the world to just be the calm center and just go. You know what? Here's what we're gonna do, guys, and here's how we're gonna go, and that's it. Yes,、right. yeah, and yeah. that makes a set absolutely、um, great when it can have that you know type of leadership. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like I said, it just it took me. I think it's part of the growing up process where. You just kind of have to get used to your own skin. You have to get comfortable with hearing your own voice, because、mm. for the longest time, I always kind of felt like, you know, what I'm a good second in command, but I'm not, you know, an actual leader. But I mean, again, it kind of goes back to sports, where you know, I was, I played basketball for the longest time, and you know, I, I was always a point guard. So I'm like, you are kind of the point guard. You are kind of the leader on set. You're the quarterback. You have to be. And so specifically, like on Massacre Academy, I even told my wife this the other day. Um, that's the first real time where I genuinely felt like going into it. I felt like you know what, I am the leader this time. I am the captain. I am the guy in charge. And throughout the shoot, I felt like I felt 100% comfortable being that guy for the first time in my life. And I think I think the results kind of speak for themselves. It definitely shows in the quality.、So. That's so nice, Mark, to hear you missing basketball, which is the greatest. I, oh God,、ever. I miss it so much. <laughs> miss it so much. Yeah. Yeah,、um, yeah. I, I, like, we both play basketball. Like even in college and stuff, I was a captain on a team all my years. Yeah, and I do know. I, I use、um, basketball as a metaphor to a lot of things that I,、uh, you know, that I talk about. I bring up examples and everything. Everybody's like, "Why are you always talking about sports when it comes like the basketball?" <laughs> I can relate anything to basketball because、yeah. talking I, about I life is what I'm talking about. Experiences, and、yeah. I swear you can. You can turn anything from bat, you know, into like a basketball thing, into like a team atmosphere. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. and I think, like I said, it's it's appropriate because it goes across everything, whether it's business, whether it's life. I mean, you、yeah. you have teammates, you have people that have your back. If 
somebody doesn't have the best intentions, if they're only thinking about themselves, things break down, and that happens in relationships. That happens in hey, on yeah. on movie sets, on you know basketball teams. I mean, it happens everywhere. So absolutely, yeah. As long as you get it right in your head, like I said, you've got the best intentions. Moving on to set, I, I feel like from my experience, it, it always winds up working out the way it should eventually. So yes. Yeah. And everybody on a team has a role, and that's what I like about filmmaking. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, why would you be on a set if you weren't going to do your role? So everyone yeah. has a role to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's that's the beauty of it. Like I said, because everybody, I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at, mm. and I know what my limits are, and I know that at this point, I don't have to, you know, coach somebody a specific way. I, I know that they'll understand, they'll get it. My job is to explain it. My job is to do this, do that. And the actors are there to just knock it out of the park. And my job is to just stay out of their way. I'm like, hit record, make sure your lights are good, give them an atmosphere to to be able to create in. And then at that point, you step back and you get out of their way. And that's it. So Yeah, you gotta have that type of leadership, make people feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we we tried to do that and I, I think you guys have talked with like Jess and, and Ashley about their experiences on the on set too. Yes. But right. I, I yeah, I definitely try to make sure that even in pre production, like even when we're casting people, I always tell them like, This is your show. It's my job to hit record, get out of your way and make sure everything is 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 there for you you know like i said that you need to succeed i may push you on the day a little bit if i feel like you're not quite getting it but if mm. you get it on take one i better have gotten that because that's my job to be you know ready to go at that point so so yeah so i think it's just as much it's a responsibility of the director to be prepared and give them that atmosphere because i i think the more you're not prepared being on set i've been on i've been on sets like that where people aren't prepared they don't know what they're getting and the day just drags and you start to see it weigh on actors and you start to see the, the the end products start to suffer and that's not good for anybody you know so i think it's you you do them all a disservice and you've kind of wasted your day if you don't know what you're doing by the time you get there so yeah absolutely i used to uh, you know be a player for a coach who was super prepared at every little detail and yeah um, yeah and um i'm glad i had him as a coach coach by me Coach yeah. There you go. Yes, yeah. Coach Bybee. He's at Penn State Beaver now, coaching kids. And <laughs> you know, getting all acclimated to his uh, his system, but it works. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. Does. Yeah, and like I said, I just I think you can pull those things across in in life in general. Like I said, just always being prepared, knowing what your role is, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at. Um, and I think that just takes being honest with yourself sometimes too. Just like I said, what what are my limits and what am I good at? What am I not good at? So, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so tell us about some of these movies you have, um, you know, produced superhero comedy, now hiring, and um, you know, military th- th- uh, thriller, elite. Uh, yeah. So so now hiring was actually a superhero comedy um, that I, that we. It originally came out of a short film that I did. It was just kind of one of those extra, you know, exercises. Uh, quite a few years ago, actually, where I was just trying to do something a little bit different. I had kind of started to get a reputation as you know doing some action and stuff like that back in San Antonio. And um, when I wound up actually doing the short version of that, I wound up looking at it and going, you know what? I think I've probably got something more to say with that as a as a feature. Um, and I probably, honestly, I mean, it, talking about limits and things like that, it's I probably bit off way more than I could chew at that time, just because we didn't have the, the, the budget for you know big special effects and things like that. And that just comes that just comes from not having the experience to say, you know what, that's probably not going to work out. 
100% of the way you want it to. Um, but it was a great experience. You learn a lot. And that was probably the first time in my career that I got to actually shut down a street, you know, in, in a major city. And, and it does, I mean, it makes you feel good, but there's, that's only good for so much. You know, you, you really need to be able to deliver the product at the end. Um, so it was a good learning experience. Um, and then after that, we kind of started to pare things down a little bit. So that's what I like. My next movie after that was Elite, like you're talking about. Um, and that one was a bit more heavy on the action. And it was it was kind of like a, a, a thriller, political military thriller. Um, and that was, like I said, another great learning experience of, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to schedule things. Um, and with each project, I kind of try to push myself, you know, a, as I kind of go along. Um, one, I try to do a different subject. I don't try to stay on the same thing over and over again. Um, but more importantly, I try to take on a bit more responsibility. And okay. so on on Elite, that was a bit more of sharing writing duties with somebody else, how I, you know, learning how to communicate with another writer, um, helping produce things a bit more closely. Um, so yeah, like I said, it was it was definitely uh, trial by fire. There's a lot of good things, a lot of bad things you, know, you kind of take away from it. Um, but yeah, all great experiences. But like I said, at that point, like I said, you, you definitely start to you start to learn from the projects and start to to hone in on what you're fantastic at at that point. So hopefully, I've I've kind of gotten to that point with Massacre. Yes, it's it's all about learning from your experiences for yeah. sure. Yeah. And when you're creating a project, are you thinking about the budget while you're creating, or are you just thinking about um, you know, creating something, writing it down, and then thinking about the, uh, you know, budget afterwards. Uh, honestly, I, I really don't consider the budget in the beginning, um, just because I, I try not to let the business side kind of, um, kind of impede on that. I mean, there's always going to be time for the business side. There's always going to be that conversation of can we afford this. Um, but honestly, I just try to let the creativity just kind of go in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really kind of what happened on Massacre as well. Like I said, if we're talking about the process of that, it was, I, the, the idea came up and then it was, okay, this would be cool, this would be cool, and this would be cool. And then the moment we finally locked our budget in, you know, like me and my uh, um, effects artist, uh, Miranda Chapman, we kind of had to sit down and we were like, okay, can we afford all this thing, all these things that we've written for ourselves? Can we afford half of that? And so then it becomes a matter of creativity at that point and going, you know what, we can't afford this, but we can't afford to do it this way instead. And so those things kind of like I said, they do start to limit you a little bit, but it kind of pushes you into more creative decisions at that point, which honestly, I love that challenge of saying, okay, I've written myself into a corner a little bit now. How do I make that work within the confines of this, of this budget? So, um, so yeah, so I always, I take the creativity first before I look at the financial stuff. So. Okay, Mark, um, you being a director and a writer of Master Academy, um, do you find it difficult, like at first, to be able to maybe delegate to like bring your, you know, like this movie to life? I mean, because it's your story. Right. Uh, honestly, I think this is one of the, the, the few times where I did actually kind of say, you know what, I'm going to take on a bigger role. Um, and honestly, I mean, uh, there are things that I, I'm not great at, I'm not fantastic at, which is like I said, like makeup effects and things like that. I know that there's some other filmmakers that actually um, serve as directors and the makeup artists. I know the guy that did, uh, what was it, Terrifier. He serves as, you know, his makeup artist and uh, I think he's helped produce his, his, his film as well. So there's a lot of guys that wear a lot of hats just out of necessity sometimes. Um, and so on this one, I knew that if 
if I wound up delegating to somebody else, I probably wasn't going to get it as close as I wanted it to. Um, and, and I try, like I said, I try to have faith that you know somebody else is going to be able to do these things. But one, I also don't want to put that undue pressure on on anybody else. Um, so on this one, I I did actually go out of my way to try to take on more responsibility than I have in the past. Um, and just to, it, it makes the process a lot easier for me specifically because I know the backstory on every decision. I know, like I, I'm literally, I literally know everything that's going on on set. Um, so there's nothing that's kind of over my head. So I know what time constraints we're under. I know, you know, what budgetary constraints we might be on on the day. Um, and so that helps kind of inform my creative decisions on the day as well. So, um, in the past on other projects i have delegated um and sometimes that's kind of led to things where i'm like well i'm kind of compromising because it's not exactly what i wanted i didn't it wasn't prepped the right way so like i said so i, I tried to be as a bit more intimately involved on this one than than on any previous projects so so it was actually kind of a reverse of letting letting uh, responsibility go this time i took on even more um than i'm used to but i think it's actually a better situation this time nice very nice Good. Yeah, he definitely seems like a, a very prepared individual. I tried, so don't be don't be fooled though. Sometimes I am a complete mess, and I'm like, I have no idea where we're at right now, guys. Hey, hey have you ever been like part of a production? You'd be like, you know, um, I really don't know what's going on to yourself, and other people be like, hey, Mark, you know, <laughs> no, he doesn't seem that like you know like yeah. that type of guy. He's really prepared, I can tell. You know what? I will I will not name names, but I will say. That. <laughs> I, I've been on a couple of sets where I'm just like, you can, t and it, there's a couple of situations where I've actually seen it firsthand. And then there's been a couple of other situations where I've actually had people message me and they're just like, my God, if you could only be here, where people are literally getting to set on the day and like the director of photography is looking up a YouTube tutorial on how to mess with the camera oh, that they're using. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why? How, how does that happen? <laughs> and so literally you've got 60 people just waiting around while you figure out what button to push and oh, how to get your frame rate. Oh, nuts. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not how that works. You know, so. Man, I'm watching this documentary on Netflix and I forget the title, but it was about like people in India who wanted to be taller. And basically they would like, you know, cut their leg and put a rod in and extend their leg oh to therapeutic um, measures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, this one guy, he wants this, um, you know, very, you know, technological advanced rod in his leg where like, like it has a remote and it makes it like longer. <laughs> very weird. Oh my true, goodness. Right? <laughs> and the surgeon didn't know where to cut it at. So he has to call the person that created it you know to make sure he gets it right he goes everything's fine he's talking to the camera at the same time he's talking to the guy on the other end and he's telling him where the cut should go in the leg it was very um strange and it looked risky but he said it was you know like um it's all safe i don't know if i trust that i, I yeah i was gonna say if, you're, if your doctor's calling for tech support during your surgery know, right? probably not a good doctor <laughs> yeah i kind of felt bad for the guy because i'm pretty sure he was like knocked out sleep while the recording was going on i hope i hope for his sake but it, yeah but the, like i guess at the end of the day he grew six inches which is <laughs> I, you know that's what he wanted i guess yeah I, legs I guess. all scarred up though but it's all good can't stand up straight but he but he's tall right yeah 
<laughs> so Masker Academy, what's it all about? That is an 80s love letter, man. I will tell you, like I said, if, if there's ever been one, it is an 80s slasher comedy. Um, we definitely tried to, like I said, go back to, to some old school filmmaking. Um, the, the nuts and bolts of the story is, you know, two years ago, there was a, a series of murders with a guy uh, named Carney, who uh, was played by Dave Sheridan. Um, they wound up killing him that night and kind of moving on. Um, so now one of the survivors is having to kind of, you know, deal with PTSD and regroup. Um, and as this new series of murders starts to happen, you know, she's wondering whether this is the same guy, is it a copycat? And just kind of trying to put put the pieces of uh, the puzzle, you know, kind of together as, as they're kind of fighting for their lives and, and kind of facing her traumatic past kind of head on uh, as well. So it's a little bit of a survivor story. Um, definitely, like I said, a throwback to the, to the 80s. Uh, style of filmmaking everything's practical everything's on set you know there's a lot of blood a lot of gore um, no nudity we, we definitely stayed away from that like I said I did that was one thing that I didn't want to do um, so that was kind of uh, I, I make sure that I have rules every time I, I do a movie and I, I make sure that I put down in the book you know what am I not gonna do and okay. like, yeah nudity was was definitely one of those those big ones but uh, but yeah like I said it's, it's definitely a, a love letter back to the 80s um, the music, the hair, you know, the, mm. the, the colors, the lighting, like I said, yeah. everything. So yeah. uh, right down to the camera work, the lens choices, the white balance. That just, I mean, there's a lot of research that went into everything. So yeah, hopefully we nailed it. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So was there, uh, were there any uh, specific 80s um, horror movies that inspired you? to come up with Massacre Academy? Uh, I, there's there's not really one specific uh, 80s movie, but I mean, again, if we're looking at slasher movies, um, I, I did have a fondness, I mean, uh, for like the Lost Boys, mm. um, just in terms of like the look of like Lost Boys. But yes. if we're talking about like 80s slasher movies that kind of do have an influence, there is, it's the fourth movie in the Halloween series, um, which some people kind of, you know, kind of, uh, kind of dismiss yeah. but I actually think it's it's great and like I said it was one of the first ones where I was like you know what I actually I am kind of digging this I, I really wasn't into the whole slasher you know kind of craze initially but it's one of those things that when you look back on it you know when you're when you're a little bit older you realize like how good those movies are and um, and the fourth Halloween movie, like I said, it was, uh, I think, The Return of Michael Myers, if I remember yes. correctly. Um, that one, like I said, I just I remember it kind of standing out because it had a really good opening. Uh, there was a bit of a different style to it. So I really appreciated that. And, and obviously, the original Halloween is is a classic, oh, yeah. but that was more 70s than anything else. That was 78. Yes. So. Right. Um, so yeah, so like I said, I, and I, obviously there's Freddy Krueger, you know, was, was yeah. around that time. Um, so I was a bit more of a Krueger person than I was like jason or michael myers got it um, me at too time so yeah so because it was a bit more fun yeah. it was a bit more colorful and, you know that was that was what i responded to when i was a kid mm -hmm. okay yeah as far as freddy krueger like i always liked how he came alive in the dreams i thought that was so right. creepy like you yes. always have to fall asleep and and then how are you going to get away from him right yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and I, th I think that was i think that was part of what we had available to us at the time to be honest with you is the Freddy Krueger things seemed a bit more fantastic and mm. you know our parents kind of to be honest with you our parents didn't really pay attention to what we were watching anyway so in the okay. 80s like they kind of let us get away with watching those things I know that right. if we had watched like um like Friday the 13th I know that was known for a lot of you know 
sex and teenagers so that was yes. kind of like off the off the, the menu um, that's right but my parents like didn't really pay attention too much to like the nightmare on elm street so they're like ah there's no real nudity so i guess that's fine and right. you know, every once in a while you'd see a boob and you're like oh wow yeah or, wow <laughs> But uh, but yeah, like it was it was uh, I, I tended that I tended towards that a bit more just because like I said it was a bit more uh, dealing with fantasy and dream dream worlds. But it was a, it was a lot more colorful um, than like Friday the Thirteenth. So I, I like the lighting in those movies a lot more too. So mm-hmm. nice, yes, yeah, good. And when when you were casting for Masker Academy, did you have specific people in mind, or did you have open casting calls? You know, the, I, I, we got really lucky pretty early on um one one actress in particular is uh april uh, golubeski i'm not sure if you guys have had her on or not or, or if you guys plan not to yet. but you definitely <laughs> should she's amazing um april was actually one of the very first ones that we cast and it was so funny because it, we we had kind of met through a mutual friend and they recommended her and they were like you know hey you should meet with her and you know so we kind of got to ta- kind of got to talking at a, at a short film festival and it kind of came out that she wanted to be uh, a scream queen. And I was like, you know what? I was like, we're just about to start this eighties movie. I was like, so let's talk about this. And I sent her the script and I, whenever I send a script, it's kind of got like a basic outline. It's not a lot of things. It's just very minimal at that point. And she saw that role and, and she plays Debbie in the final movie. Um, she saw that role and she was like, that one's mine. And I was like, do you want to, you, you want to try for the lead? And she was like, nope that one right there is mine and so from that point on it was literally me writing with her in my head and i was like you know what this yeah this is you this is 100 you um and so at that point like i said we had started to cast a few of the other smaller roles um beyond that we we did have a, a period where we started to kind of put out casting calls um and we got extraordinarily lucky with with jess euler um, and then Sierra Mitchell is actually, she plays her sister Maggie in the movie. Um, we had had some mutual theater friends and I reached out to her at one point. I was like, you know, do you have a reel? Are you interested in maybe doing movies? And when we met, she was still, uh, she was still in high school. She's just now graduating. Um, but Sierra, and again, we were still going through drafts at that time to uh, the script. And so the moment I met her, it was like, yeah, this is, you're definitely the girl. So. Um, nice. So yeah, we've we've gotten so lucky with with local cast, you know, and crew, but uh, but yeah, it was a little, it was a, it was a nice mix of both, where it was like I had certain people in mind, and then other parts, it was like, I, I let's just start, let's start casting, let's see, you know, see what we can find. Um, we did have, uh, and I this is a funny story, we actually had uh, Felissa Rose uh, come on board pretty late in the game um and it was one of those things where we we mm-hmm. knew that we wanted to have a kind of a wraparound story for the for the movie uh which is some news reports and but none of that stuff was really written yet and then the moment we cast her that was a situation where it was like well i know whose voice i'm writing for i know exactly what she looks like i know what she can do and so it was that made the process of writing for her way easier and i was like you know what here's what we're gonna have her do and so that was the one role where I said like, the, the actor was already there, and it was like you got to wrap that around them instead. So nice, which was a, which was a great challenge. It was fantastic to write that way. That's awesome. And Felicia Rose is a veteran of the horror genre, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. She's been yeah. she works consistently. There's there's a lot of cons that she winds up doing the uh, the horror cons and comic book conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is, if she's not doing a convention. 
she's on set somewhere. And like I said, she's always up and down the East Coast, up and down the West Coast, everywhere in between. I mean, so she is consistently busy. Um, so just the fact that she had a small, finite window of time for us, you know, she was, she happened to be in Pennsylvania at that time. And we were like, look, you know what? We'll rearrange the schedule for you. We'll get you down. And luckily enough, like I said, they, they did have an extra day after they were done. And we're like, you know what? Come on down. We got her in a day. And like I said, she was out the door the next morning. So, but I, but I mean, it was, it was fantastic. It was such luck. Yeah. 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 And you filmed during the pandemic. So how was that? Like, was it difficult or? Uh, it, it, it had its, its drawbacks for sure. Um, there was, there wasn't a lot of, you know, face-to-face -face meetings prior to everything. Um, which, which I'm always a hands-on director. I like to have my cast and crew, you know, kind of over for, you know, for dinners before we start, just to make sure we're all vibing, we're all on the same page. Coming from that perspective, it was a little bit difficult to do that, obviously. Um, but once we were on set, one of the nice things about the way our movie was kind of written was we actually had small scenes pretty much every day. There's, there's only one major scene in the movie where there's a ton of extras. Um, every other scene beyond that, to be honest with you, is is maybe a two or three person scene, and that's pretty much it. Um, so keeping your crew small, keeping the actual amount of actors that you have on set, you know, fairly small. Um, like I said, it, it allowed us to move quickly through that, you know, through the pandemic, while still being extraordinarily safe. Um, and because it was it was easier to manage two or three people on set a day, and you know, making sure they got their tests if they you know had already gotten cleared things like that. So like I said, so it, it made things a little bit easier, but the, the one stretch that we did have uh, a lot of slight apprehension on, making sure everybody's okay. Cause I mean, you, cause you do get nervous. I mean, you obviously yeah. with the whole pandemic thing. Um, we had our, our, uh, our frat party scene, but oddly enough, it was such a weird kind of kismet where the restrictions at that point were starting to kind of lift just a little bit from from COVID. So we kind of got it right, at, like, and, and again, it wasn't planned that way, but we got it scheduled right in the middle of a, a kind of lull in everything where kind of the, the, the restrictions were eased a little bit to where we could have a few more people on set. Um, so I think we just got extremely lucky. And again, like I said, it was, it was a little bit of luck. It was a lot of preparation. And like I said, we just managed to kind of barely get it through, but we got it through, so. Yeah, like I definitely think preparation played a key role in that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think one of the funny things too about that that scene, um, and not a lot of people know this, and this is a kind of a nice little funny story, is the the original concept for the the frat party scene was just supposed to be just that, just an '80s frat party. Everyone's yeah. wearing the sweaters with the pop collars, and you know everyone looks nice. <laughs> kind of jerky. But if you look at the final movie, we kind of changed the the uh the the theme for the party so to speak in the movie's you know reality and uh, we were kind of prepping for it and i said you know what i was like to keep everybody safe why don't we do like an 80s wasteland party so that way everybody's got masks on everybody's got you know the the gas masks and it looks like the nuclear holocaust has happened and you know oh. and so it was an easier and, and at that point it was like you know what that's a great way to keep everybody safe they can kind yeah. of be within six feet of each other, but they're still wearing a mask. And so, go. like I said, so you look at it, that's the reason why everybody's wearing masks back there. But again, we've we've got them with like studded masks. So it looks like an 80s party. It looks like an 80s mask. And, but again, it was our way of kind of working around it. But again, it, it's something you don't plan for. 
and it's that creativity you're like how do i do this but do it safely and how do i and me honestly i love restrictions like that like i don't shy away from them people freak out sometimes Mm. and they're like oh my god it's gonna ruin my i'm like no you move with it you you duck and dive and you kind of if the play if the plan goes if it goes down then how do you improvise how do you make that work for you still and exactly. still get to your, Working your favor yeah exactly and you you still wind up making it work and to me like i said i love moments like that because one it pushes me as a director to kind of figure out the logistics of it and then also how do i shoot that so um so i, I enjoyed that part of it even though like i said obviously it, the pandemic was a serious thing it was mm-hmm. it was um it was an interesting challenge to, to try to do it that way and I'm, and I'm proud of our team for actually doing it safely so yeah yeah, yeah it definitely sounds like you have a real resourceful team and and a great imagination to work through that oh sure. yeah absolutely yeah like i said I, I i'm nothing without my team i mean honestly if, if i don't have people backing me up and people that we can trust i'm just some bitter guy on 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 set by myself with opinions <laughs> and that's about it like nothing else happens if i don't have people helping out you know so yeah. um right. i I, at this point in my life, I'm very aware of, like I said, treating people with that respect, making sure that they understood, uh, that they understand that they're respected every single day, that they're appreciated, and that goes a long way. You know, that that goes like treat your cast like you want to be treated, and you know, and Absolutely. even better than that. And like I said, and it's it's uh, it's a reward for everybody. So yeah, it definitely goes a long way. We hear yes. nothing but good things about you. We didn't hear anything negative or nothing. So that's right. oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure you'll hear a couple of stories floating around out there. But yeah, not yeah, yet. For the most part, I try to. Be, <laughs> I try to be on my best behavior all the time. Be like, okay. Yeah, Sandel. <laughs> no. Yeah, man, I'm just thinking about that scene you just mentioned with the gas. I mean, like just walking into like a party like that. Everybody has a gas mask. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not everybody. Yeah, it was one of the things where it was like, you know, what every other group can have, you know, one or two people with their mask off and things like that. So, so it was a nice way of kind of like there were groups that definitely came out from out of town with each other. Um, mm-hmm. So when they were kind of huddled together, like those groups stayed together, and you know, so if they were kind of in the same group and they were going to share a hotel room, they had already you know, gotten tested for COVID, they were actually okay with taking their masks off together. So like I said, so you'll, you'll definitely see it in the final cut where there's people with masks on and some, you know, are, are actually okay with them off. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was, it was definitely, it made for a more interesting shoot. And I, I like the way it actually looks on screen. So like I said, it's just, it's just, it's visually interesting to me. Uh, like I said, and, and the, the backstory on it's just, just awesome. So. Right. And are you the one doing the editing or? Director of the picture, the the lonely part of editing. Yeah, just kind of sitting yeah. in a, in my office, you know, for for hours at a time. Um, yeah, yes. that's to me, honestly, that's where the rubber meets the road, though. I mean, that's that's when everybody <laughs> goes away, I get to start putting the movie together, and I I, I love the editing process because that's where I kind of get my buzz again. Um, I mean, because I love shooting, I love being on set with actors, I love directing. Um, I love that that community feeling, but I also like the fact that I get to create by myself. Sometimes, you know, even at four o'clock in the morning, I'm up by myself, and literally the house is quiet. Nobody Sounds like someone I know. Yeah, <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I love that process. That's where I like yes. I said, and it that can wake me up faster than a cup of coffee if I've cut a scene the right way. And 
Um, and, and to me, honestly, it's 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 I get to fail in private a little bit. Like if I don't cut the scene the right way, I'm like, oh, that was yeah, that was bad. <laughs> and nobody way. ever gets Sometimes to see I it. Get overly excited about cutting yeah. the scene, and I'll show Sai here. Yeah, and she's like, yeah. Like what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. No, I, yeah. I appreciate what he goes through. Yeah. <laughs> I know the blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I think is a, is a tough process. You know, it, it know, is. Um, it's it's not for the weak. Like I said, it's it's definitely like I said. It takes endurance. Um, it takes attention to detail. But right. like I said, yes. that's it's the part that I enjoy the most because I I'm the first one that gets to actually see the movie coming together in right. real time and I'm like oh there it is that's the moment that's the one I want to see that's this that's that and you make that's all those the money shots yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and I think it's just so cool to create something that didn't exist and now it's coming together I think yeah I like yeah exactly together. yeah yeah and that's that's like I said that's probably my favorite part um, outside of shooting uh, just because I'm such a social person anyway I enjoy the shooting process um, but yeah, I, I also enjoy my, my private time as well. And I think you have to, like, if you're going to be a, a creative person and have vision, I think you got to have some time alone to really, um, you know, understand your thoughts. Oh yeah. yeah you have that balance. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think for, for me in, in the creative process, and it's, it's always the thing that I ask at the very beginning of any project that I do is I always ask myself, and if I can't answer it, then that's always an indication that I shouldn't do the project. But I always ask myself, what am I trying to say? Throughout the entire process, whenever I start writing the script, whoever I cast, whatever the scene's about, what am I trying to say? Like, with this entire movie, why why am I going to commit two years of my life to it, three years of my life to it? What is so important about this one thing that I have to get this message out? And if I can't narrow that down, then I don't do it. And okay. at that point, like I said, and, and that decision, whatever I come up with, whatever I tell myself and I say, you know what, this is exactly why I'm doing the movie. This is exactly the message that I'm trying to, 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 to get through with. That decision, that one statement to myself internally will literally inform every, every decision from then on out. Um, whether it's an editing choice, whether it's you know a script change, whether it's this, whether it's that, whether it's lighting for certain things everything has to support that goal and if it doesn't support that then it doesn't need to be there and it, it makes things a lot easier on set so nice yeah so that's that's part of my my whole creative process like i said I, I like to have that idea in my head every single day and sometimes i'll wake up the day of the shoot and try to remind myself again and just say this is the reason for why i'm you know this is why this scene is so important because it helps reinforce that message and it helps reinforce this and helps reinforce that so and with that being said have you taken a lot of risk with this film in certain parts yeah uh, i think because I, I, I definitely feel like i've pushed myself even more um that, than i'm used to um I've, I've definitely tried to not rely on certain things um that i've Sometimes, honestly, when, when you're directing, when you're editing, you kind of get selfish. You kind of think, you know, especially bad directors, they think, oh, every shot's important. Every shot is, you know, the, the, the best shot in the world. And, and this is why that line is so important. And this is why. And there have been days where I've even told, you know, my actors, I'm like, you know what? If the script isn't working, if that line doesn't work, throw it out. Let's do something mm -hmm. different. Let's, let's do it your way. Let's do it. And... I like working without that safety net. I like working with, you know, pushing myself and just saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to, but I have to do it. Um, and so the, speaking to that point, I mean, there's the, the, the frat party 
is on film, it's about from start to finish, the moment we go into the frat party, it's about a nine or 10 minute sequence, give or take. And we stay in that, that party pretty much. And we shot that over two days, you know, that, and that was probably the, the longest two days of the entire shoot. It was, you know, from 10 a.m. all the way up until, you know, 10 p.m. that night. And the amount of coverage that we got, the amount of setups that we got throughout the day, typical movies, you know, aren't going to get half of that coverage. And, and, and here I am trying to cover things as quickly as possible. So it definitely felt like I was pushing myself. But again, I, I enjoy that challenge. I enjoy the the athleticism of, of trying to get shots in a certain amount of time and you know trying to push my cast and crew. Um, so definitely, like I said, there, there's certain moments where I was like, this is ambitious, but we can we can do it. We just have to be really smart about it, but we can do this. Um, yes. So yeah, so like I said, it, it, there's definitely moments where I pushed myself beyond what I was even expecting for myself. Um, but having said that, there's also moments where it's like, yeah, you can't do that. That's that's pushing too far. You need to pull that one back a little bit. So yeah, um, there's certain things. Yeah, know. there's just I mean, reality kicks yeah. in. You're like, yep, you can't do that. You, you're gonna yeah, have to right. do it a different way. So get creative. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see it. And um, same here. Yeah, the Masquerade Academy red carpet world premieres July 31st at July 31st. the Lamp Theater. Yes, yep, absolutely. That sounds exciting. It yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely looking forward to it. So I, I, I'm hoping you guys have your tickets already, right? Yeah, we're you going. Excellent. Fantastic. Yes. So yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to it. The, the Lamp Theater has been absolutely gracious in opening their doors for us. Um, like I said, we met with Bill Elder down there, um, who, who runs the place. And the the space itself is is absolutely amazing. Like I said, the moment I walked in, it, it was like, oh, yeah, this this is definitely it. This is the one. Nice. Um, and so we, we were able to, even on our first day, we were able to kind of preview the movie. And, you know, I, I took our, our laptop and kind of hooked it up and we just projected just to make sure that it would, you know, fit our needs. And it was so nice to see it because we had already previewed it once for our, our cast and crew over at uh, at the Parkway in McKee's Rocks. And it was great to see it on that big screen, kind of in an intimate setting. Um, but when you're in the middle of the Lamp Theater, and it's like a 300 seat theater and you're literally trying to take a look at every little seat just to make sure that it's reading correctly and you know, just kind of going back and forth. It was just amazing to see it on a bigger, even bigger screen and just go, oh yeah, this, this is going to be nice to see nice. this Good. movie nice. with, you know, 300 people, you know, screaming and laughing and, you know, kind of jumping at the right moments. And, and, and honestly, that's one of the things that I talked about with our cast and crew is we didn't want this because, I mean, the movie's been done for, you know, a couple of months already. And it was one of those things where I told them, I was like, you guys 100% do not deserve a premiere on Amazon. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't deserve to have that. It deserves to have 300 seats being filled and people screaming and yelling and you getting that adrenaline rush of having an entire theater after a pandemic. It's the least you guys could get. And yeah. to me, like I said, it's that community experience of, of seeing a horror movie together, seeing a local horror movie together, and seeing ones that your friends have, have worked, you know, tirelessly on through some some impressive conditions. And like I said, and to me, like I said, it's 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 the least we can do. Uh, you know, my producing partner Thomas Tom Parker and I, it's the least we can do for our cast and crew. And I, I can't wait for an audience to actually see it because our our cast has already seen it and they've loved it. Mm -hmm. um, so I just I can't wait to have you know like I said 
the general public finally see it, and like I said, and really yeah. kind of embrace yeah. it. So it's definitely going to be great. I believe I hear oh, a lot yeah. of good buzz about yeah. it. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yes. yeah, it's like yeah. you're giving them a gift, you know, giving them a gift as as far as when you just just described it, you know, having those the, the 300 people screaming and then jumping at the right time and laughing and you know, it's giving back to them. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that's one of the things that I love about filmmaking is, and I, I think that's one of the things that you know the whole pandemic has kind of spoken to is, yeah, you can sit there and you can you know have movies in your living room and you know kind of have them on your laptop and you know, they get released the same day, but to me, honestly, there's nothing like the theater experience. There's nothing right. like it. The, the the moment you look over at somebody you, and they're having the exact same experience that you're having, yes. and you can see it in real time. And it's exactly. And it's not just five people. It's not just your friends. It's an entire room full of people. Exactly. And so if, if you can do that to you know 300 people at one time, you can get them to scream at the same time and and cheer, and give them rah rah moments or give them you know a, a tense moment. If you can get them to do that at the exact same time, I mean that's that's magic right there. So exactly, yeah. exactly. I'm gonna relive my uh, childhood. You same know, here. <laughs> 80s slasher, except oh, I'm gonna be in the theater actually. So. Yes. Dressed in a nice suit. We would see with, it, you know, yeah, by the way, and see it like on TV or cable when our, like you mentioned earlier, with our parents, you know, yeah, when absolutely. they're out of the house. <laughs> well, one of the nice things about that too is when we have the screening, and this is something that I, I don't know if we've actually advertised it fully on the on the uh, the promo material, but once you see the movie that night we'll have our dvds on sale we'll have some of our promotional dvds on sale we're gonna actually oh, nice. have wow. uh some drawings for some of the props from the actual movie so oh, i mean there's cool. a ton of stuff that's happening that night so like i said the, the ticket price like i said includes all that so like wow. i said we're gonna have some shirts we're gonna have like free dvds for that um for some of the drawings we're gonna have some of the props but then also if you're interested in just kind of bypassing all that and you just want to buy a dvd that'll be on an option for you as well so Oh, that's wow. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a whole yeah. big event. That's awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, it's going to definitely be a special night for everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. And are you going to put it on any major shooting platform or just is it straight to DVD? Um, so, that that's really a decision for distribution. Um, mm. So, once we actually go into the distribution phase, because uh, we we're at a point right now where we've pretty much kind of narrowed it down. I don't want to say too much about it, but we've kind of narrowed it down to, to a specific distributor for us. Um, and once we deliver the final movie to them, we, we turn everything over to them literally. Um, and usually within about three months, they're able to mass produce DVDs. They're able to get that over to, to any VOD platforms that want it. Um, and so at that point, that's when that decision gets made. So like I said, so it, once it goes into distribution, like I said, I, I wish we had that much control to be like, do it on this one and do it on that one, do it in, the, do it in a month. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? but yeah. Like sometimes those decisions are just made by, you know, more powerful people than, than me. So, right. but, uh, okay. but yeah, but that's the whole business side of it. So yeah, I'm very excited about this premiere. Oh, definitely. And, uh, um, yeah. We're we're definitely gonna try and bring something special to to that night. Like I said, it's it's definitely, I, it's it's one of the movies. It's it's the first time. And I I told my wife this the other day. We were having a kind of a conversation. I had kind of like a little epiphany. We were just kind of sitting there, and I was like, you know what? I was like, this is probably the most proud I've ever been of anything that I've ever done. Like, and that that's that's not you know talking about my kids or anything like that or my marriage, but <laughs> just in terms of you know creative projects. Like this is hands down 
the the best thing that I've ever done. It's the one that has my voice on it completely. It, it, it you can definitely the moment you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, that's Mark's movie. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> wow, and, and it wow. definitely awesome. feels like it's it it's coming from my heart, and you know, it's it's, right. it's everything that I wanted it to be and more. So. Yeah. So, yeah. so what was that feeling when you seen your Master Academy sign outside that theater? <laughs> that was. I, I was alone in the room here in my office, and I was looking around. I was like, "Did anybody else see that? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Come on, it's nine o'clock in the morning." But yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Like I said, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I've, I've had some places put up our, our names on marquees, like with just the names. Um, but that's the first time it's been like a digital sign, you know, with with our our killer up there and you know the the font and everything else. So it, it's it's moments like that where it's like, oh, it's real. Oh, it is really, it is really happening. So, like, it just kind of hits you in waves, and uh, it's just a nice reassurance that the rest of the world is starting to know about the movie. And pretty soon, it, it's kind of like sending your kids off to college, where it's like, okay, I have to let that go, and I have to let it be its own thing now. And yeah. you know, I I can't protect the movie anymore. I can't, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna have you gotta the let the monster own. out. Yeah. <laughs> once once it's out there, you know, it's it's sink or swim, and hopefully, you know, we we did the best job that we can. So. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And, I think so too. You know, Pittsburgh's Hot List is advertising it on our website now. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah okay. Pittsburghhotlist.com. Yeah, we that. have the ticket information on there and everything. And and now we have, um, you know, the information that you send over. Um, you know, we're going to put that on there as well and, and get right. people more interested. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> oh, you're That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And when it comes out, we're going to eventually feature it as, uh, you know, movie of the month. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully, you know, people, you know, will be able to tap in and see it. Cool. Yeah, that that's that's much appreciated. Like I said, we'll definitely keep you guys posted on any additional developments and things like that. But uh, it's definitely probably one of the best movies out there. I'm, I'm And maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've got good. Yeah. Am I, are you giving me goosebumps with excitement, you know? So you hear everybody out there now, make sure you get your tickets before they sell out because this movie is going to be phenomenal. It's yeah. hot. <laughs> it definitely yes. is. And we're and that's why we're on the hot list. That's why. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. Well, hey, Mark, we thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us today. It's been great. Absolutely. Good. My pleasure. It's, it's been wonderful, guys. Thank you so much. And the, the questions are great. And like I said, I just had a, had a blast here.